This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's the season finale of Silicon Valley. And of course, we mourn the loss of one of the show's most important characters, Anton. Stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Really happy. Guys, that's the end of season four. I feel like that went very fast. I don't know what you guys think. It's crazy to think that we're on season four. I keep having to remind myself which season we're on. Feels like it's gone by so fast. I think the whole series has flown by, and this season in particular, I felt like it just started. Just the other day, we're sitting in here with Big Hat. You know? I know. And now, and now it's all over. Yeah, for some reason, this show especially still kind of has that like brand new feeling to me. Maybe it's because not that much has happened on the show. <laughs> maybe, maybe so. Maybe because it's still so similar to the pilot episode. Yeah, plot we got to think too. I mean, they do only have forty episodes. You know, right. A lot of shows would have more at this point. Yeah, that's less than two seasons of a network show. So yeah. that's a good point. Well, before we talk about the show, guys. Let me introduce myself. Uh, my name is Jeff Graham. If you guys want to find me online, you can do so at Jeffrey C. Graham. I would say that we're here every Monday at 4 p.m. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. Um, but I have an amazing panel of co-hosts with me, and I'd love for you guys to introduce yourselves. Ooh, what's going on, guys? It's Nate Miller. You can find me on social media at Dog Like Nate. That's dog with two Gs. Uh, I also just started hosting. Wow, hosting Hochi Man City. I just started hosting the Preacher After Show, which will be on Monday nights. So you can find me there. I'm Christian Blatt at Christian DMZ <laughs> on Twitter and Instagram. That's right. And I, among other things, host the Trump Report Tuesdays, 7 Pacific, right here. Right that deserves applause. For those who don't listen, the Trump Report's really cool. Um, I consider myself politically super dumb. And Christian's show is accessible, whether you're politically super smart or politically super dumb like me. So I'd highly recommend his show. It's Tuesdays at 7 p.m. or on the podcast. That's true. Thank you. Uh, before we talk about the episode, which I definitely have some thoughts about, I feel I'd be remiss not to talk about a lot of the news that's been dropping as of late. Um, as we know, I kind of facetiously alluded to Anton's last appearance in this show, but much more significantly... I am going to miss Anton, by the way. I'm going to miss Anton. Um, but much more significantly, we're saying goodbye to Ehrlich Bachman. I know we've mentioned it a couple times on this show, but... Um, it's it's a big deal, and that's why it's been brought up a couple times, because he really is one of the series regulars, if not arguable, co-star with Richard. Um, I guess I never even got your guys' opinions. Phil and I talked about Ehrlich's departure, so before we talk about some of T.J. Middle, uh, Miller's kind of choice words about the departure, I want to just hear your guys' overall reactions to Ehrlich leaving. What do you think, knowing that this is the last time we'll see him on the show? I think that he was a great part of the show. Some of the most memorable moments, and of course, memorable one-liners come from Bachman. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, he makes the point that uh, you know they had a, a much much bigger shoes to fill after season one, yeah. and they managed to do that well. You mm-hmm. know, so I think that they'll figure it out because the show. So it's not like he's the only funny thing on the show. It's just a presence that'll be missed. But they go two, three more seasons. You might watch an episode and forget about Bachman. And right. If, they, if you do, then they've done their job in sort of uh, having the show evolve a little bit. But uh, I'll, I'll definitely miss him because, 
you know, you could always count on, you know, this episode could have used more of him in all honesty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I'm a big TJ fan. Um, I, you know, I like the stoner comedy stuff too, which yeah. I think we won't see as much of without him them being there. Um, but yeah, as far as the way that it played out, um, especially with this episode, it was, uh, interesting. I think I would, would be the word that I would use. Um, I do like that they did leave it somewhat open-ended, um, but obviously, as the interview stated, it doesn't seem very likely that anything like that's going to happen of him coming back. Right. Um, and as far as him not being on the show, I definitely think that Void is there. And if this was last season, I would have been much more concerned. But because of how they've been able to flesh out other characters this season, I'm I'm a little more comfortable with it. Um, but I do think it's you know he was a very big personality, even though his role in the show has gotten a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it will be a different show without him there for sure. It certainly will. Um, the interview that um, Nate just referred to for those listening or watching um, was a surprisingly candid interview that TJ gave in The Hollywood Reporter that dropped last night. He had some choice words that I was kind of surprised by. Um, one that was pretty interesting was he noted kind of, yeah, again, very candidly, a pretty contentious relationship with um, showrunner Alec Berg. Um, and even more surprisingly, he kind of had some quiet digs towards Thomas Middleditch. I don't know if you guys caught that, but he said... Um, he always wanted to be a star, I think is what uh, what TJ said about Thomas. Yeah, like Thomas was maybe on set trying to claim more starhood than maybe TJ felt was necessary. Um, I was even surprised. It kind of seems like he's sort of trying to take the writing reins into his own hands. He's like, you know, in my opinion, Ehrlich was becoming stale. He was becoming unnecessary on the show. And yeah, go ahead, Nate. Well, I think I I read that more, not so much as him taking shots as just kind of clarifying Hmm. with those words. I read that as Thomas is more concerned about being a star in terms of like the TV show and becoming, I'm Richard Hendricks. I was, I was on it for this long. People in, you know, 10 years from now will know me as you were that guy that played Richard Hendricks on Silicon Valley for X amount of years. Whereas TJ Miller is not, he's a comedian. He wants to be there and express his comedy. Yeah. Um, and I think, especially with his character getting diminished time, that when they do use him, it's usually for a plot reason. It's not just to not have him be on there to riff, which I think is what he more uh, enjoys being on the show, being able to do. Being in the situations, playing the character, what do I think is funny? Boom. Some you know some of that makes it to the final cut. Then he he gets the joy of creating that laughter. Right. Whereas if you are a comedian and you don't really identify yourself as an actor, and you're you feel more like you're just saying lines that they're giving to you, and you're not really you know feeding your art, then I can kind of see you know his point of view of him saying that it's just it's just not the same environment, and he doesn't he doesn't see himself growing there anymore. Right. Yeah, it just, to me, was kind of interesting. I didn't mean to interrupt you if I did, Christian. No, well, I was going to say is, to his point, there are a lot of episodes this season where you could probably edit his scenes and his lines out, and the show flows just as well. So right. he's definitely become kind of an afterthought, but maybe that's because that's more what he wanted. Like, we don't know how available he was, yeah. but, you know, how many days. He's he mentioned probably available s- less than the other actors. Yeah, right? he mentioned the scheduling thing, and that was, from the moment they announced it, that was my thing, is that he's just, he's he's so much, we talked about this last time, he's so much of a bigger star than he was when the show started right um so now i can't imagine them trying to schedule around him because the other guys are doing stuff too but they're not doing the same amount of stuff so trying to schedule around him being available 
you know, especially if they already had to do that this season, I'm sure, looking into the future, and especially with them, like, all right, well, in order to schedule around him, we only had him in this many episodes, did this such and such, can we just get got by without him, right. or cut him down even less, which is, you know, what they say they mentioned to him. I think, for me, I totally understand that. It's actually super justified. I think actors and artists need to kind of follow their path and trust their instincts, and whether or not he owed the show another season is maybe not an important question to ask. The thing that I thought was kind of weird and kind of left a sour taste in my mouth just as a viewer was sort of leaving with so many words. I feel like saying, you know, I feel like I'm losing the art of my stand-up and I need to be spending more time on that. Thank you to everyone involved in production. It's been a great experience. Kind of leave great gracefully. I just feel like he started bringing his dad into it and saying, like, yeah, you know, like my dad was starting to tell me that he thought the show was kind of starting to suck. And I just feel like a lot of those, like, I feel like there could have been a more tactful kind of classy way to exit the show. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I definitely see that point of view. Um, I don't know. Maybe I have rose tinted glasses because I'm a big TJ fan. You love TJ, which I is do. great. I'm a, I've been a big fan of his for years. He's insanely talented. Yeah, he's yeah. always been one of my favorite comedians, one of my favorite featured guest actors to be on a show because you always get his flair of comedy yeah. into whatever he's doing. Um, but I, I like the story with his dad, and I, I saw it as not so much as his dad saying the show sucks, but that the show has kind of staled or stagnated, mm-hmm. which I wouldn't disagree with. I actually I do think this too. is... <laughs> I, I, I know this is probably different from you guys, but I think this is one of the better seasons. Yeah. Um, I liked it a lot, but I, I'm not going to say that it's not more of the same that uh-huh. we've been getting. It's a little bit different, but I think stale, stagnant is a good word. Yeah. So coming from a dad's advice, and especially, again, this point of that he wants to be a comedian, mm-hmm. and he's not getting to be that. It's not like SNL where he's writing as well. Right. He's just playing a part. It's and true. every now and then he gets to riff, and some of that will make it in. But as we've heard, there's you know this season's been very plot-heavy, so all of that improv stuff has been kind of left on the cutting room floor. True. I think the way that he's having so much to say, as Jeff pointed out, is probably just to reinforce the idea that I'm not coming back. Yes, you know, yeah. that was. And I don't think he's burning clear. all the bridges, but I think yeah. he's just like, no, seriously, this is it. And you know, look, despite what he says in the interview that we're talking about from uh, what was it from Hollywood Reporter. He, it's possible for him back. to come back in the series finale. Maybe if, Alec Burgle, you know, leave it, the show. And yeah, if, if Mike Judge decide he wants to come, if back. Mike Judge comes to him with an idea that he thinks is funny, yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, uh, he, I don't see why he wouldn't. So it's good that they didn't kill it, right? You know, so, yeah. So at least we have the opportunity. And it's it kind of funny little, to think about him spending five years in an opium den. It is it's a little disappointing though that like. Just the way that scene played out, yeah. I was expecting some kind of send off or something, and like his last words are "big head." And well, like, do you think that might be a bit of a fuck you from Alec Berg? Like maybe I'm I like, think if that you have ha- a contentious relationship with the showrunner, it's not good for your character. Well, and know? now I'm thinking back to the the papaya papaya thing. The oh, the papla the pup whatever pa- I'm not going to butcher it. Palapa. The palapa. The palapa. Thank you. Yeah. And yeah, I've, said, I've said a few of those burning down. <laughs> And, like, in the context of the episode, to me, it did not make any sense. Yeah. But in the meta context of the show, yeah. it's like he's got this beautiful thing that he's everything he's wanted, <laughs> and he's just burning it down, and he's just sitting there. Filled with regret. Right. And I'm like, <laughs> hmm, interesting uh, visuals there. Yeah. I don't, I'm, that's probably a little bit of a reach, but. Well, you never know. Yeah, I think uh, the last thought on that is just that 
you know, when they filmed it, they didn't know that he wasn't going to come back. Yeah, they true. thought maybe it was possible, but they figured, well, of course he'll be back at some point. Mm-hmm. So they're just like, oh yeah, we'll just kind of leave it on this joke, right? And maybe, or yeah. maybe they knew, or maybe they, maybe they've been talking about it for a long time. Yeah, and maybe there's four yeah. other minutes that the showrunner was like, well, we're not putting that in, right? You know, screw yeah, him. let's no, you're right. The other characters, right. there could have so. been. Well, and there's a kind whole... of the truth of like, if it's a, a scene involving one actor. There's maybe a chance you could shoot something now. I mean, like, if it was a scene with the whole ensemble, I'm sure production schedules would be hard to coordinate. But I think they probably could have stretched to give us a better send-off with Ehrlich. I don't know. I don't think it was... uh, I I don't think both parties were... I kind of have a feeling. Well, here's the thing. Let us know in the comments, guys. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Tweet at us. Let us know what you think because it's an interesting discussion to be had. A lot of this is projection, and a lot of us don't know the behind-the-scenes details, but it is interesting, and it's picking up a lot of press, so I thought we'd be remiss not to talk about it. And I'm going to miss Ehrlich Bachman a lot. I'll leave it at that. TJ gave a wonderful Critics' Choice-nominated performance. I think Critics' Choice-winning performance is Ehrlich Bachman. So we'll miss you, TJ. Thanks for a great four seasons, and I hope you come back for at least one more game. I know I said final thought on this, but what I was remembering as you were saying that, he called Jimmy Yang, who plays Jin Yang, and he called and basically said, hey, I'm leaving, because they had developed such a great one-two punch mm-hmm. that I think that's what I'll miss the bo- most yeah. about him, is because it had gotten so good this year. Mm-hmm. That was the best thing about his character yeah. in season yeah. four. Kind of Guilfoyle Dinesh level, I would yeah. go as far as to say. Yeah. Um, well, again, let us know in the comments. Tweet at us. Let us know what you think, guys. Of course, this is the after show, so we're here not only to talk about news, but to talk about both this episode and this entire season of Silicon Valley. Christian, you have some thoughts about this episode, so spill the tea. Mm. Uh, yeah, I thought that uh, it, it was very mediocre and very disappointing to think, oh, we might not see them again for a year or, or longer because you know the whole point with TJ was that they changed their schedule, so we mm-hmm. don't know when it's going to come back. It might be more than a year, and for this to be the way that I have to remember everybody, there's some great moments. There's right. always great moments, but this might very well be my least favorite episode in the whole series because it it moved around some some pieces on the game board but we're just kind of right back to where we were and not that much happened there's some great moments but uh, I felt like I wasted my time with this half hour. Because I agree with you, Christian, I'm going to hop in and let Nate hop in after me because I, I think he disagrees with both of us. But the, What? You mean you can't hear on iTunes how loudly he's uh, shaking his head? <laughs> Sorry, I'm shaking my head violently. <laughs> um, it's like... It's like Jared responding to the disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay, I agree with you, Christian. And honestly, I feel like your sentiment about this episode on a microcosmic level kind of reflects my sentiment about this whole season. I've really liked this season. In retrospect, I actually think it's been a great season for character. I think we've seen yeah. a lot rounder versions of these characters we've grown to know, especially with Jared. Like, it's been a knockout season for Jared. But I'm getting a little impatient, and it's been a little samey for me. And the fact that, like, the final episode involves, like, we have to save the data of one of our clients is just kind of a low-stakes moment for the company. And I know Save the data of a guy we don't like. Right, we already don't like. And (laughs) that criticism to me kind of... Low stakes? Well, we'll talk in a minute. What? It kind of reflects just my problem with the season as a whole of, like, there wasn't really a seasonal arc with these guys. It was just kind of little fires that we were putting out, and it was almost over-plotted and also under-plotted at the exact same time. You feel like on the big dry erase board in the writer's room, each episode said, Richard fucks it up. Because every week, that's what happens. And just increasing levels, this was the biggest one of all, for sure. All right, Nate. I'm raising my hand. Nathan. So I can speak. Um, 
<laughs> Man, I don't, know, I, don't know, I don't know who you people are. Where is my panel? I love this episode. Okay, maybe that's a strong word. I enjoyed this episode. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, not my favorite Silicon Valley episode by far. Yeah. Uh, but it was good. I, I, wow, where do I start? Like, you guys said so many things. <laughs> I mean, to cover, like, the season arc, it's Richard. It's yeah. Richard is the arc. That's why every episode is Richard fucks up. Because it, Richard is finally learning to become a successful CEO. CEO. That's why in the end, he's like, I tried the good way. I tried the bad way. I tried this. You know, nothing works. Oh, well. I just got to own it like a man. For the first time, yeah. he nuts up and shows up to accept responsibility. And the team goes there with him in solidarity in the end, which mm-hmm. I thought was huge. Seeing everybody together like that. And, and then back... To backtrack, the stakes, I I don't know about you, I was, when they opened the truck and Anton was gone, yeah. I was like, what? That was a big moment. I was shocked. Right. And then, but that, I mean, yes, them losing the data, we really don't like Melcher, and no, it's not huge stakes, but still a lot of money, and right. the company is completely fucked. Right. And so there goes all the work for, you know, his new plan for the new internet, and then with them losing Anton on top of it, that's like losing a family member. Okay. <laughs> so all the things you said are interesting, but you know maybe that works on the preacher after show. But what I come <laughs> to this show for is funny, and none of them were funny. Are you kidding? Yeah, I none of this was funny. funny. There was a great moment no, when they're, when they're talking about the fucks and the, the well, yeah, in the but you didn't mention that. I, well, but I, 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 but there's a great moment. You guys Thomas attacked Middleditch me from has so many different angles. When, I didn't take notes. You know, when he's basically just coming to terms with the fact that yes, he fucked everything up. There, that's a great moment. That's, I would say, the best acting I've seen him do on the show. Yeah. But I don't come to the show for acting. It's fine when it's sprinkled in. Does that have, like, four jokes that I laughed at? But I'm not saying there's only serious. four jokes, but I only laughed four times. I mean, how many... I get what you're saying, but you have to have a balance, right? You can't... You, you reach... You, like, you, you say you want plot and progression and you want things to happen... But you also want laughs. So part of the reason why so many other seasons have had so many laughs is because there is no plot progression. It's the same things over and over again. They just get to write different funny jokes about it. Now we're getting a little bit less jokes for the sake of actually getting somewhere. The shit worked. The, I just the plan worked. The comp- they're about to get funded by Bream Hall. Right. We're about to see Which them I, as a major company going to war with Huli. Yeah, and I like, really and hope not, in season not, five not we explore Huli, that. And and not going to war with Huli like oh, we're the small fish, how do we navigate the pond with right. Big Hooli trying to stomp on us with them bashing heads as almost equals? They're a serverless internet, which could destroy Hooli. I mean, like, I'm so excited for that. I just feel like like where we started and where we ended in season four might be the least dynamic season we've had so far, which it just feels like a weird choice in season four. I do like what you said about this was Richard's season. That's the first point, even reading coverage, I haven't really seen a critic express that in that way I think it's a really good point because like the idea of a competent CEO is the motif of this season because we saw Gavin fired Jack replaced we saw Dinesh's CEO so I think like summarizing this season by a theme of what does it take to be a Silicon Valley CEO is kind of an apt way to make me feel better about this season at least it's even you know what does it take to succeed in Silicon Valley because we saw Bachman with a desk job for two days a week I don't even know how long he had that job at Bream Hall so you get to see how to fail and Richard has definitely learned a lot of that but you know his meeting with Gavin at the end I'm like okay so I kind of feel like we're right back where we started at the beginning of the season I wonder if you can just go from season three to season five and skip this one but you miss a lot of good jokes a lot of good Jim Yang and you miss you miss development and like again I get 
saying that the show's stale and cyclical, but it's just that's just the nature of the the topic and the industry. You yeah. try and you fail, and you and it's these little incremental steps. We tried and we failed, but we learned this. Mm-hmm. We tried and we failed, but we learned this. Right. So this season, we finally got. You know, Richards had the Pied Piper. You know, uh, formula for you know however long he's the had it. The compression algorithm. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. The algorithm. You got and he's trying to find the right application for it. So right. we've seen it go through the iterations of the music software to the Huli Chat to the you know all the iterations. Till right. finally we we reached the point of where now we know really what it's been meant for the whole time. We didn't know. Now we know. That's a good point. For actuality. I just hope season five. I'll be bummed if season five doesn't push a little bit. Well, I, that's I what think. I think. So first is getting the idea locked down. Right. They already have the team locked down. That is what the first two seasons are for. Mm-hmm. They have the idea locked down. Now we have our CEO so he can actually lead and right. be a competent character and not fail at everything. Because if he started like just winning and getting successes this season, wouldn't that have been weird? See, I'm starting, like, Veep to me, which is analogous because they air in the same time block. To me, that show's just moved at a pace I'm a little more... And I love this show. I'm a super fan of the show. Mm-hmm. I just feel like that that show, even through season four, I feel like we just didn't have quite enough movement for me to justify some of these episodes. Like the Patent Lawyer episode? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I just... I think there's a way that you can... And, like, to your point about Silicon Valley is about stagnancy and failure, Mm -hmm. that could justify why some of the choices are being made the way they are. I mean, it's like like Game of Thrones. Yeah. How slow is Game of Thrones? How long have we been waiting for actual, actual plot progression? Because, I mean, in reality, there really has not been much. There have been little things here and there, but in terms of the overall arching themes and plots that the story is built upon mm-hmm. not much happens it's right. just like a giant grand buildup because that's the setting things are slow it takes time to get places yeah <laughs> i hear you i don't know but at least this show's able to tell jokes along the way you know for sure and yeah so the intern thing was hilarious there, there have been a lot of great things this season and you know the fact it's been that a we, funny season the fact <laughs> that we got to see big head again because how many weeks have i said i know has big head so i'm so glad to see him Me again too. so you know that you're talking about how this is Richard's arc, but it's great to even see that character, to see Jin Yang. You're, these marginal side characters who we've always liked, they've actually gotten some great depth. And Jared, too. You said yeah. it earlier. It's a great season for him. And this, even it's this been episode. a good character season. He put his foot down. Right. Jared put his foot down. Plus, yeah. I mean, and Dine- Dinesh. Yeah, he <laughs> and fucks. Dinesh, fucks. you know, he had, the, he had the girlfriend. And what, we think that's not going to come back? Oh, it's going to come back. Yes. Yeah. So it didn't happen this season, but that's okay because you know that that's going to really come back and bite them next year or season six, and whatever. I, I, I'm not going to put this on the same episode as the uh, uh, in-out compression. What is that? Uh, outward pr- compression? Which Middle, is that out. Episode? Middle out compression. Yeah. That's what the episode's called. But I get what um, our guest was saying when she was telling us that same you would get that similar feeling with the refrigerator joke. Oh, uh, yeah. I thought that yeah, was that great. That was actually I really... didn't. And the other thing, too, is I didn't see that coming at all. No. Yeah. I thought they were I did not expect fucked. a callback to the refrigerator. Yes. Ever. You know, I just thought it was, it was the family with the I think even at the time the we said, like, oh, look at Gilfoyle putting all that effort into some dumb joke. Yeah. Right? It's like the tag at the end right. of the episode. But. It was a good season. I um, I just am I'm really excited for, I think now that Richard is primed to lead, we can have a really exciting. And you know what? In the grand scheme of the whole show, we might see that there's a lot of things in season four that are operating on ways we don't see yet. That's my hope. Well, I think especially with you know Ehrlich being gone now, yeah, I'm I I think Nick. Okay, we're gonna do predictions. 
Are we going to do predictions? We'll definitely do predictions oh, at the okay. end of the well, then I'll We'll do a longer prediction segment because it's. I'll we probably wait. should get into some specifics of the episode. I mean, it makes sense. This is the final episode, so there's a lot to talk about. But, I mean, first we can talk about... We start started with talking about TJ and Ehrlich. Um, let's talk about Erlen and Gavin in Tibet. I found this to be a little unsatisfying. I don't know. I, I'm like, why did we send Ehrlich here? And I know it pushed Gavin... To, to get back. back in the game, which was fun. And, of course, if anyone's going to annoy someone into doing something, it's Ehrlich. But but also the piece of information that Ehrlich gives Gavin, he's like, what? Yeah. You know, he no matter how calm and how much meditation he was doing, he's going to need to know why Huli phones are blowing up. And then, of course, as soon as he realizes that he's able to screw over Jack Barker... You know, he, he can just throw the whole thing out the window. However right. long he'd been there, how many weeks? It was like, no, no. This. So I guess it, it didn't need to be Bachman, but somebody would have gotten him that information. I just think it was very funny in the way that uh, I did like watching or like meditate, and he's like, I'm watching House. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty. <laughs> that funny. was very funny. Classic Bachman. Classic Bachman. And so the last thing we see of Bachman, we mentioned it, but it's him just stoned on opium, <laughs> presumably potentially for the next five years. Yeah, so you felt like this was a bit unsatisfying. I guess we've already talked about this. Yes, yeah. yeah. But you know, it, it's it's very funny if we never see him again, and you think but it'll just be one of those weird TV moments. Like mm, that's the last time you saw him. I guess it is a very early way to go out. Yeah, just stoned as hell. Yeah. I'm still holding on for. <laughs> I hope. I hope. I hope he comes back. Episode or something. Um, well. Of course, you mentioned Jack. The reason Gavin ends up leaving Tibet is to get re-involved in Huli business. Um, obviously, Huli's been in crisis mode this whole season. Last episode, we saw a Samsung Galaxy 7 Note reference, which was that all the Huli phones are blowing up. Um, so Gavin initiates this recall with the board. Um, and the recall. Well, Jack does. Sorry, Jack. I've done that all season where I've been calling. Gavin would be furious. Gavin would be so <laughs> mad. So, actor Jack Barker is pushing the board for this huge recall, which I think um, Google and Samsung did do when the. Gal- I think they had to. Right. And, and, yeah. And of course, the board doesn't want to do it. Right. But Jack's like, well, we already sent out the press release. Right. And they're like, no one can make this happen. And he's like, well, I can make it happen. So, this to me was an amazing scene. Get. Jack in China speaking to a huge factory of Chinese workers pushing American capitalism on them. What did you guys think of this scene? I mean, like you said, it's classic Jack. Yes. And of course, the pyramids of success, or whatever he calls that. Is that what he calls it? The, the conjoined, conjoined triangles, triangles of success. See, that's how effective it is. I can't even remember what he calls it. And when he said that, I was just like, oh, that's great. And, he, and I actually thought, like, all right, maybe that's going to work. But the idea that they immediately hold him hostage. <laughs> the timing. Was so great. Yeah. And I think that was a great scene. Just that sea of factory workers just looking at him. Him the getting, translator was him getting so impatient with the translator yeah. and, like, slapping her so that she would translate faster. Uh, that's, that's pure action Jack. It yeah. was a great. Yeah, go ahead. Nick. It sums his character up perfectly that he thinks he could go to China to a factory of workers that are already working like way too hard <laughs> and be like, All right, I can get him to double their output. But he's like, This it. is America. It was just like so cringe, but it was played so well. You, he is wrong. <laughs> it was played so well by Stephen Tobolowsky. Um, like this, I was glad we got to end on this moment with him because it was just the most action Jack Barker thing he could have done. Um, so this was an interesting way to tie Gavin and Jack again, and an interesting way to bring Gavin back into the spotlight to mm-hmm. lead Huli to who knows where next season. We can talk about it in predictions. Um, anything we're missing? That was kind of two intertwined. Plots, well, of but. course, when he does negotiate the release of Action Jack, 
you know, they get on the Hooli jet, and then, of course, there's the callback <laughs> yeah. to uh, Jackson, Jackson Hole. Jackson Hole. Because everybody knows Jackson Hole's out of the way. That was a beautiful callback. Yeah. It was a really neat way to cycle the whole... Did you? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It was, well, once they were on the was, jet together... He I was, was the jet. never yeah. going to let that go. Right, exactly. <laughs> so that was cool. I mean, it did kind of reinforce... How little happened this season? Where I was like, "Wait, we're talking about this on the plane again." I was like, "Oh God!" But it just shows you yeah, that you know over that. That there's no real growth the for for Gavin in the course of the exactly. Season. He's right back to you know. I mean, there was, but know. then it, when he I realized think... that he could screw over Jack, he's like, "Nope, that's more important than finding my true self and meditating." Yeah, I still think we're gonna see. I think we're gonna see a different Gavin. Do you next season though? I think the hair thing is more than just because he was there. I think we're going to see a little bit... I think he's going to be a different type of enemy. See, I think we're going to see a ruthless, if not more ruthless, Gavin. I think next season, I know it's not it's not prediction time, I think he'll have two Blood Boys next year. On each side. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about our predictions for Gavin when we get to predictions, but um, that was cool. I did like the Jackson Hole callback. I thought it was a, a really neat way to cycle this whole season. Of course, we haven't talked about the big plot of this episode, which was the guys. Um, talking about Dan Melcher, who we met earlier in this season, they're holding his data... They need to figure out a way to hold his data or potentially they go under. And I'm trying to remember why they were going to... Initially, they could... Oh, because the internet failed because of the Huli phone. So they're going to try to transfer it over to Anton. First of all, we have to talk about Guilfoyle's contacts because that was hilarious. Oh, so the cat eyes. Weird. That was such a weird moment. I was waiting for a payoff. See, I never loved came. that there was no payoff. Well, that he's just like, I wore them on All Hallows Eve. All Hallows I was Eve. a cat. And we're like... <laughs> Of course, you just, 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 just don't yeah. ask any questions. I feel like I can admit that it wasn't necessarily an amazing joke, but I loved it. I thought it was so <laughs> just from a visual standpoint, just watching the reactions are great too. Well, and the fact that we like had an insert shot of his glasses breaking just because the writers wanted him to wear con- like cat eyes. I kind of actually love that. <laughs> That's what I'm. I like, and when I rewatched it again, I was like, "Is there a payoff that I missed nope. or something?" <laughs> like, nope. I'm waiting for someone in the office when they come in to be like, "Ah," or, but nope, nothing. Um, but the problem with Anton is that um, they can't operate to the capacity it needs to in the incubator, so they need to take it to Stanford. Well, no. also, they don't have the internet yeah. because the internet's out. Jared right. wanted to pay the bill and there was no money. And I believe Jared says that Richard said, okay, mom, or fuck off, mom, or whatever it was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the Jared-Richard stuff was really interesting this episode, and I am excited to talk about it. Um, so, of course, they... Jared leaves because Richard and him have this confrontation, kind of an intense one, where Richard's like, well, just get the fuck out. What what did you guys think of this moment? Did that surprise you? I mean, I could see the frustration building in Richard throughout the episode. I was still a little put off by it. Um, But I think it's also important in showing... You know the growth of their relationship throughout the episode and right. how he ends up making that turn. I it's agree. It's rough because I mean everybody likes Jared and you. I he's not wrong in what he says to Richard earlier, and he's not wrong. You know he's just trying to help. Right. So yeah, it's just kind of shitty to see him treat him that way. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that you know it, it's true that there is that moment where it's just it's too much for Jared and the fact that Richard makes him stay for the two weeks and then fires him and says, you know what, you can just go now, just shows how badly he performs under pressure. Mm -hmm. So it is something that we'll have to see if he ever gets any better at. But I don't think this show is the show if he gets better at uh, being pressured. Agreed. Um, So the guys rush to Stanford. Oh, before they get to Stanford, there was one hilarious joke involving an eight-year-old girl. Oh, yeah. Where... 
Ashley was the name of the character. She yes. wasn't a callback, was she? I don't think we've I seen that girl think before. So. Or the mom. I don't think I feel seen. bad if we have. Let us know in the comments because if we have, that's sure even better. But I know we're going to be about to get roasted. But they're walking down the sidewalk. Um, the team is pulling out in their U Haul. A collision almost happens, but at the last minute, Richard stops. And to this underage girl says, Oh, hey, Ashley, that was close. Well, hey, it won't be the last time you stop traffic, you little hottie. <laughs> <laughs> You know, when you're older, and then it, of course, gets awkwardly very Richard. Yeah, yeah. it's just so just, Richard. There are just certain things that, like, any normal person could say and would sound fine, but he just has a way of delivering things. Especially this season. Yeah. Thomas Middleditch has killed it this season. It's been a great Richard season. He's a star. He's, he's he is the a star. star, as you can read about in The Hollywood Reporter. Um, so we finally get to Stanford. All of Anton suffers in the process because they forgot to close the back door of the truck. And turns out Big Head didn't even have any idea that they were trying to make this happen. Right, and that's another instance of Richard just kind of discarding people so mm-hmm. that he can get to what he thinks is the only way to operate something and screw over Big Head, who's literally the nicest, <laughs> most easygoing guy ever. And he said, you know, I'm going to get in a lot of trouble. And, the fa- and of course, you know, Dinesh and Guilfoyle are furious that they just told them, like, oh, yeah, no, Big Head will be fine with it. Yeah. Yeah. And this leads, so this leads to the big character moment, which is really what Nate is hinging, defending all of season four on, which I agree. It was a huge moment for Richard. He says, so in the last three years of our company, whenever I've taken the safe route, you guys have called me a pussy. But when this this season, I want to say this season, but this year when I've been trying to push our company forward, maybe making ethically questionable decisions as some of the greatest CEOs in Silicon Valley have, you guys say I'm manipulative and not respecting the company. Like, what do you want from me? Was this justified? Did you you guys side with Richard here in his defense of kind of his Walter White-esque behavior this season? That's a good question. Um, no. Yeah. I mean, I... I, I definitely was on the side of the guys on the times that they did call him a pussy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it's important, especially in terms of, like, leadership, to have, you know, a straight edge. Yeah. And if those ideas or things happen, you want it to be from someone else. You don't want it to be from your captain, your leader. Or right. Something. You know, you want the Guilfoyle or the Dinesh to come up with something sinister and not the Richard, who's, you know, the idea guy who's there to lead everybody in the right direction. Right. Yeah, and I would say a good leader knows that, you know, you have to kind of seek counsel in those moments and not just lie to everyone you work with and say, what do you guys think we should do? And you maybe take their advice, maybe you don't. But these are these guys are all your friends. You should trust them. I mean, especially Jared, you know, who he immediately just discarded multiple times in the season. So I think that hopefully he's learned that is Mm -hmm. what we're going to take away from season four but again I don't know that he will but he should have brought the guys in earlier been like we're really fucked I don't know how to work this you know and you know taking it to Stanford to put in a closet which will get big head in trouble and probably you know so I, I, I don't think it was a well thought out plan right but he's always so sure that he's so smart that any plan he comes up with is going to be better than anything those guys could do the other thing is knowing yourself too like Richard is not a bad guy he's right. not a slick right. pull things over on people guy he's just not so him trying to operate in that way is just going to lead in failure after failure because mm-hmm. he sabotages himself right it may seem like I'm moving quickly. I just want to make sure we have enough time for predictions because we have a whole season worth of predictions to get through. Um, obviously, the way this whole plot turns out, which I thought was kind of amazing, was that Richard is getting these intense texts from Dan Melcher. Where the fuck are you? We need to talk. Of course, we think it's about his the data. Servers. 
but it's not. And we'll get to what it was about. And that's because the servers are fine. It turns out, as we mentioned earlier, that Guilfoyle's fridge scheme from earlier in the season is what saves the company. We have a mime uh, acting out a blowjob with Suckage and Yang on million, well, 30,000 30, fridges, fridges all across America. This was hilarious. I will say this visual gag really paid off for me. One, I think it was, it was nice at least that the winning joke came near the end of the episode. Did this work for you guys? I mean, I thought it worked in, in that it was kind of an amusing moment, but I thought that what really worked for me was pointing out to Guilfoyle that Anton died so the company could continue, you know, like Jesus. <laughs> and Guilfoyle was like, Fuck. <laughs> so Which I thought, that, to me, that was the funnier he, moment. Because, you know, but. in that analogy, with Anton being his child, that makes him God. <laughs> Which true. he's probably okay with if he thinks enough about it. I don't it, know. I feel like true. he really wants to be He really wants to the be opposition. the other guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when I was reading online, I should have the full name, but they're one of the most famous Satanists is actually named Anton. Anton like, LaVey. Yeah, Anton LaVey. So I'm sure that we never, I don't know if we've ever officially found out. I'm sure that that is the reference. intentional. Um yeah, I mean, I, th- I thought it was great. I-, I actually thought that the bigger laugh was what comes from the reveal later. Um, I just thought that that was cool just for the surprise. Because, mm-hmm. again, I had no idea how they were going to pull it out. And so then for them to pull shit together and then that be the case and then give that visual, it was very entertaining. Definitely. Um, and the reason that Dan Melcher was upset was that his fiance wiance they ended up... They're not married yet. They were, they were, they were yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, cake tasting. They're cake tasting. They bring the cake his, to you. Right. Well, I'm going to them. Yeah. <laughs> um, the... She let him know about the sexual encounter from episode three or four earlier in the season, and Richard gets it. I thought this was... I'm glad they called back to this, because there's kind of been tension brewing around all that all season. Well, now he fills the void, too, that um, is left behind. That's true. Uh, Next season, season, Richard can sleep with other people's wives. You're absolutely right. Or fiancés. I thought it's important to note out Jared um, beating Belcher with a shoe when he's like <laughs> tackling, oh, yeah. after he's tackled him. He's like, no, stop it! Stop! No. Trying to like pull him off. It was beautiful. Um, I was back. watching an interview with Jared saying that maternal is the adjective he uses most when trying to get into the character of Jared, which I thought was really, really, really funny. So the last scene we see in the episode is. Richard talking to Gavin, which is also kind of a beautiful full circle moment. I really like these Richard Gavin moments because they're always kind of a tete a tete. What did you guys think of this conversation at that Mexican restaurant we always end up at? I mean, the beginning of the conversation is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> the black guy. <laughs> oh, you know, the I got it from a wife. I mean, no, the guy gave it to me because I gave sex to the, <laughs> yeah. to the woman. It's just perfectly so uh, awkward but is that the same restaurant i think it it's always the same restaurant. Yeah. it's been the same it? yeah. restaurant right yeah. Yeah. yeah i mean i don't know i again i i see the complaints of like all right cool we're just back mm-hmm. again where we were before but i think the tables are are pretty different especially in terms of this season um where like they met earlier in the season uh the tables have almost completely turned whereas richard has almost all of the power right uh, in terms of their relationship, uh, and is doesn't need his his help at all. Uh, so, I don't know. It makes me excited for what's for what's going to happen. And I think the way that Richard handles himself in the meeting is different than we see him throughout the rest of the season. I, I mean, agree. Aside from the awkward 
sex conversation. Right. And speaking of sex, we actually, as you all know, these shows do come to us for free, and often when sex happens, clothes are taken off and underwear is revealed. Luckily, I have the best underwear in the entire world here sponsoring our show, and that's MeUndies. MeUndies, you know, is popular broadcast in a lot of podcasts, and there's a reason. It's because they're excellent. In fact, they're the softest, most comfortable underwear you'll ever wear. Once you try them, you won't want to wear anything else unless you're naked or in your swimsuit. For every other second in your life, there's MeUndies. So every pair of MeUndies is sustainably sourced cotton. So for those of you who are interested in, you know, the free trade, sustainable source materials. Very important. Very important. MeUndies falls under that category. Um, they're not boring. They're exciting. You know, most underwear is white, gray, black, or tan. MeUndies has all kinds of colors, limited edition, all kinds of great stuff. This month, for example, is rain- a rainbow confetti print called Celebrate. Um, so if this sounds interesting to you, I can tell you I've actually worn MeUndies before. They are extraordinarily comfortable. You can try them today. Um, if you go to um, MeUndies.com slash buzz, you'll actually save 20% off your first pair. That's a good deal. It's a pretty good deal. That's um, MeUndies.com slash buzz, and you'll save 20%. Um, you'll have to feel for yourself as to why MeUndies has sold 5 million pairs today. That is pretty impressive because they're a new company. 5 million pairs is huge. That's a lot of undies. That's like Hooli numbers. That's like Hooli numbers. Um, and if you don't love your first pair of MeUndies, they're free. That's right. They're free. You'll love them, though. You're going to love them. That's how confident they are, in fact, that you're going to love their product. So... For 20% off your first pair, go to MeUndies.com slash buzz right now. That's MeUndies.com slash buzz. One more time. MeUndies.com slash buzz. And with that, what do you say we get into some... Well, let me just say that yes. I think that the last scene, I think it... Oh, uh, sorry. It had, that's all right. <laughs> I, look, the sponsor, Commerce always takes precedence. Commerce so takes precedence. I have to say. Uh, just very quickly, I think that that has me excited for what season five could be. I think to see a shift in their dynamic, I'm really looking forward to that. All right, now what you were And what say. a beautiful transition into our predictions. And now, you're after Buzz TV. So what do you think season five could be, Christian? I think season five could be some real progression for Pied Piper where they become a real player and, you know, have Huli on the ropes. I'm sure that uh, things will get messed up along the way, but I hope that by the end of next season, we actually see Gavin's actually a little nervous because he's always like, oh, whatever, Pied Piper, they're just a pain in the ass. Mm -hmm. And I also, I predict that we won't even remember that Ehrlich is gone because cousin Oliver Bachman's going to move into the incubator <laughs> and he's going to just be in charge of everything. Yeah, Oliver Bachman. All right, here we go. I think I think it's good. I think there's going to be a lot of changes next yeah. season. I don't I think we're going to not see the incubator uh very much if at all. Um I think we're going to get a big company building. Uh, I think we're going to get employees and new cast members and stuff to kind of fill out some okay. spots. Um, I'm definitely excited for the interaction. Um, I, I think early we'll see uh, Gavin's uh, fear of uh, Pied Piper developing, and that's going to create whatever will be the uh, issue for the season, I'm sure. Um, I don't know. I'm really excited. Uh, I'm really excited to see what happens, too, with the Bream Hall partnership and how that plays out. Yeah. Um, I think we'll get to see more of both of them. Uh, around as well, which mm-hmm. would be exciting. Actually, Alec or uh, Mike Judge mentioned that in an interview. He said, "You know, one thing we're going to miss TJ, but we will have more space for characters like Lori and Monica to kind of shine, which will be nice because this show does occasionally get criticized for kind of having a woman problem. I don't know, whatever you think on that, there will be more space for kind of some female voices to occupy the show. 
I agree with you guys. My hope is that season five does see some of these narrative pushes. I agree that a geographical change might be kind of nice for us just because maybe part of my frustration is just that we've seen that same room for the yeah, last it's, 40 there, episodes. There's been progression. It's just hard to see. Yeah, it's for sure. It's really hard to, to visualize it. Yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, I think it'll be easier to kind of justify season four's maybe stagnance. I don't know if that's a word. Stagnation, maybe? That's the word. Um, if season five gives us a lot of maybe kind of actual business developments mm-hmm. in terms of what Pied Piper is doing. Change, yeah. I think I'd love to see also just a more concrete season arc in terms of plot. I think we got great character arcs this season. We did see a really interesting journey on Richard's behalf. I think we got a lot from Jared, but yeah. I'm kind of looking for more of a um, kind of stakes-driven single goal for the company. And I feel like we're primed for that. Well, remember, we also have Mia, too. We do have Mia. So yeah. I'm, I'm thinking that next season we'll get the buildup of the company, we get to see all the new employees, the new building, whatever, all the stuff they're working on, mm-hmm. and then like halfway through the season, while they're already dealing with the Gavin on one end, all of a sudden out of nowhere, they're going to start getting hacked or Mia, something. For me, it's going to blow everything gonna, up. Not yeah. literally until the end of the season, which maybe <laughs> she will then literally do it. Yeah. And especially because if they do really blow up, and Dinesh is now part of this huge company, like not only did he betray her, but now he's part of this big mega conglomerate. He's the, reason, he's the problem now. Right. Absolutely. The bigger pipe Piper gets, the more delicious it will be for Mia to take them down. (laughs) Um, Well, obviously, guys, this was our last coverage for the season. We kind of moved quickly because there was a lot to talk about, but the conversation's not over. If you'd like to talk with us about things we missed, jokes we missed, please hop on our YouTube. Let us know in the comments. We've had some great comments this year. Also, you can talk to us on Twitter. Um, If you guys want to find me on Twitter, my name's Jeff Graham. You can do so at Jeffrey C. Graham. Um, before I let our hosts go, I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in all season, guys. It's been a lot of fun. Overall, I did think it was a solid season of Silicon Valley. Maybe not my favorite, but I'm really excited for season five. And um, you guys can also catch other after shows here on the network. As you, uh, Nate mentioned, he's covering Preacher. If it's on TV, chances are we're covering it. So check us out. You can find us on iTunes or on YouTube. Rate, like, and subscribe. And thanks for a great season, guys. You too. Uh, what's up, guys? Again, it's Nate Miller. Uh, thanks for watching the season with us. Uh, you can find me on social media at Dog Like Nate. That's Dog with two Gs. Uh, and like uh, Jeff said, I'll be here approaching the uh, after. Wow, I keep I can't do that word. Hosting the preacher. I'm I'm pushing my words together. Poaching, poaching, I'm the poaching, preacher I'm poaching the preacher after show. <laughs> uh, and you can find me online at Christian DMZ and Blatcast.com. B l a d t c a s t. And I'll be here tomorrow night for the Trump Report. Well, guys, we'll see you for season five of Silicon Alley. <laughs> Silicon <laughs> Poach Silicon Valley. It's time for us to end this season, I think. But we'll see you next year, same time, same place. And in the meantime, keep tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Bye, guys. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, see you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 